Chapter 18 of The Deluge, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Hand. The Deluge, Volume 2 by Heinrich Schenkewitz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter 18. When they had left the king's chamber, the two knights walked on in silence. Volodyovsky did not wish to speak. Kmita was unable to utter a word, for pain and rage were gnawing him. They broke through the crowds of people who had collected in great numbers on the streets in consequence of tidings that the first detachment of the Tartars promised by the Khan had arrived, and was to enter the city to be presented to the king. The little knight led on. Kmita hastened after him like one beside himself, with his cap pulled over his eyes, and stumbling against men on the way. When they had come to a more spacious place, Pan Michael seized Kmita by the wrist and said, Control yourself. Despair will do nothing. I am not in despair, answered Kmita, but I want his blood. You may be sure to find him among the enemies of the country. So much the better, answered Kmita feverishly. But even should I find him in a church? In God's name, do not commit sacrilege, interrupted the little colonel quickly. That traitor will bring me to sin. They were silent for a time. Then Kamita asked, Where is he now? Maybe in Tarogi, and maybe not. Carlamp will know better. Let us go. It is not far. The squadron is outside the town, but we are here, and Carlamp is with us. Then Kamita began to breathe heavily, like a man going up a steep mountain. I am fearfully weak yet, said he. You need moderation all the more, since you will have to deal with such a knight. I had him once, and here is what remained. Kamita pointed to the scar on his face. Tell me how it was, for the king barely mentioned it. Kamita began to tell, and though he gritted his teeth and even threw his cap on the ground, still his mind escaped from misfortune and he calmed himself somewhat. I knew that you were daring, said Volodyovsky, but to carry off Radzivill from the middle of his own squadron, I did not expect that, even of you. Meanwhile, they arrived at the quarters. Pan Yan and Pan Stanislav, Zagloba, Jenzian, and Karlamp were looking at Crimean coats made of sheepskin, which a trading Tartar had brought. Carlamp, who knew Kamita better, recognized him at one glance of the eye, and dropping the coat, exclaimed, Jesus, Mary! May the name of the Lord be praised, cried Jenzian. But before all had recovered breath after the wonder, Volodyovsky said, I present to you, gentlemen, the Hector of Chenstohova, the faithful servant of the king, who has shed his blood for the faith, the country, and the sovereign. When astonishment had grown still greater, the worthy Pan Michael began to relate with enthusiasm what he had heard from the king of Kamita's services, and from Pan Andrei himself of the seizure of Prince Bogoslav. At last he finished thus, Not only is what Prince Bogoslav told of this knight not true, but the prince has no greater enemy than Pan Kamita, and therefore he has taken Panabilevich from Kediani, so as to pour out on him in some way his vengeance. And this cavalier has saved our lives and warned the Confederates against Prince Yanush, cried Zagloba. In view of such services, 
Previous offenses are nothing. As God lives, it is well that he came to us with you, Pan Michael, and not alone. It is well also that our squadron is outside the city, for there is a terrible hatred against him among the Lauda men, and before he could have uttered a syllable, they would have cut him to pieces. We greet you with full hearts as a brother and a future comrade, said Pan Yan. Carlamp seized his head. Such men never sink, said he. They swim out on every side, and besides bring glory to the shore. Did I not tell you that? cried Zagloba. The minute I saw him in Kaidiani, I thought at once, that is a soldier, a man of courage. And you remember that we fell to kissing each other straightway. It is true that Radzivill was ruined through me, but also through him. God inspired me in Bilavish not to let him be shot. Worthy gentlemen, it is not becoming to give a dry reception to a cavalier like him. He may think that we are hypocrites. When he heard this, Genzian packed off the tartar with his coats and bustled around with the servant to get drinks. But Kamita was thinking only how to hear most quickly from Carlamp about the removal of Olenka. Where were you then? asked he. I scarcely ever left Kaidiani, answered Great Nose. Prince Bogoslav came to our Prince Vovida. He so dressed himself for supper that one's eyes ached in looking at him. It was clear that Panna Bilyevich had pleased him mightily, for he was almost purring from pleasure, like a cat rubbed on the back. It is said that a cat repeats prayers, but a Bogoslav prayed he was praising the devil. Oh, but he was agreeable and sweet and pleasant spoken. Let that go, said Pan Michael. You cause too great pain to the knight. On the contrary, speak, speak, cried Kamita. He said then at table, continued Carlamp, that it was no derogation even to a Radzivill to marry the daughter of a common noble, and that he himself would prefer such a lady to one of those princesses whom the king and queen of France wished to give him, and whose names I cannot remember, for they sounded as when a man is calling hounds in the forest. Less of that, said Zagloba. He said it evidently to captivate the lady. We, knowing that, began one after another to look and mutter, thinking truly that he was setting traps for the innocent. But she, but she, asked Kamita feverishly. She, like a maiden of high blood and lofty bearing, showed no satisfaction, did not look at him. But when Bogoslav began to talk about you, she fixed her eyes on him quickly. It is terrible what happened when he said that you offered for so many ducats to seize the king and deliver him dead or alive to the Swedes. We thought the soul would go out of her, but her anger against you was so great that it overcame her woman's weakness. When he told her with what disgust he had rejected your offer, she began to respect him and look at him thankfully. Afterward, she did not withdraw her hand from him when he wished to escort her from the table. Kamita covered his eyes with his hands. Strike, strike, whoso believes in God, said he. Suddenly he sprang from his place. Farewell, gentlemen. How is this? Whither? asked Zagloba, stopping the way. The king will give me permission. I will go and find him, said Kamita. My God's wounds, wait. You have not yet learned all, and to find him there is time. With whom will you go? Where will you find him? Kamita perhaps might not have obeyed, but strength failed him. He was exhausted from wounds, therefore he dropped on the bench, and resting his shoulders against the wall, closed his eyes. Zagloba gave him a glass of wine, 
he seized it with trembling hands and spilling some on his beard and breast drained it to the bottom there is nothing lost said pan yan but the greatest prudence is needed for you have an affair with a celebrated man through hurried action and sudden impulse you may ruin panna bilyevich and yourself hear carlamp to the end said zagloba kmita gritted his teeth i am listening with patience whether the lady went willingly i know not said carlamp for i was not present at her departure i know that the sword-bearer of rossiani protested when they urged him previously then they shut him up in the barracks and finally he was allowed to go to bilevich without hindrance the lady is in evil hands this cannot be concealed for according to what they say of the young prince no mussulman has such greed of the fair sex if any fair head strikes his eye though she be married he is ready to disregard even that woe woe repeated kmita the scoundrel cried zagloba but it is a wonder to me that the prince vovoda gave her to bogoslav said pan yan i am not a statesman therefore i repeat only what the officer said and namely ganhoff who knew all the secrets of the prince i heard with my own ears how someone cried out in his presence kmita will have nothing after our young prince and ganhoff answered there is more of politics in this removal than love prince bogoslav said he lets no one off but if the lady resists he will not be able to treat her like others in tarogi for a noise would be made yanusha's princess is living there with her daughter therefore bogoslav must be very careful for he seeks the hand of his cousin it will be hard for him to simulate virtue said he but he must in tarogi a stone has of course fallen from your heart cried zagloba for from this it is clear that nothing threatens the lady but why did they take her away cried kmita it is well that you turn to me said zagloba for i reason out quickly more than one thing over which another would break his head for a whole year in vain why did he take her away i do not deny that she must have struck his eye but he took her away to restrain through her all the bieviches who are numerous and powerful from rising against the radzivils that may be said carlamp it is certain that in tarogi he must curb himself greatly there he cannot go to extremes where is he now the prince vovoda supposed in tykotsin that he must be at elbang with the king of swedes to whom he had to go for reinforcements it is certain that he is not in tarogi at present for envoys did not find him there here carlamp turned to kmita if you wish to listen to a simple soldier i will tell you what i think if any misadventure has happened to panyabievich in tarogi or if this prince has been able to arouse in her affection you have no reason to go but if not if she is with yanusha's widow and will go with her to courland it will be safer there than elsewhere and a better place could not be found for her in this whole commonwealth covered with the flames of war if you are a man of such courage as they say and as i myself think added pan yan you have first to get bogoslav and when you have him in your hands you have all where is he now repeated kmita turning to carlamp i have told you already answered great nose but you are forgetful from sorrow i suppose that he is in elblang and certainly will take the field with karl gustav against charnyatsky 
You will do best if you go with us to Charnyetsky, for in this way you will soon meet Bogoslav, said Volodyovsky. I thank you, gentlemen, for kindly advice, cried Kamita, and he began to take hasty farewell of all, and they did not detain him, knowing that a suffering man is not good for the cup or for converse. But Pan Michael said, I will attend you to the archbishop's palace, for you are so reduced that you may fall somewhere on the street. And I, said Pan Yan. Then we will all go, put in Zagloba. They girded on their sabers, put on warm burkas, and went out. On the streets there were still more people than before. Every moment the knights met groups of armed nobles, soldiers, servants of magnates and nobles, Armenians, Jews, Wallachians, Russian peasants from the suburbs burned down during the two attacks of Helmnitsky. Merchants were standing before their shops. The windows of the houses were filled with heads of curious people. All were repeating that the chamble had come and would soon march through the city to be presented to the king. Every living person wished to see that chamble, for it was a great rarity to look on Tartars marching in peace through the streets of a city. In other temper had Lvov seen these guests hitherto. The city had seen them only beyond the walls, in the form of impenetrable clouds on the background of flaming suburbs and neighboring villages. Now they were to march in as allies against Sweden. Our knights were barely able to open a way for themselves through the throng. Every moment there were cries, They are coming! They are coming! People ran from street to street and were packed in such masses that not a step forward was possible. Ha! said Zagloba. Let us stop a little, Pan Michael. They will remind us of the near past, for we did not look sidewise, but straight into the eyes of these bull drivers. And I, too, have been in captivity among them. They say that the future Khan is as much like me as one cup is like another. But why talk of past follies? They are coming! They are coming! cried the people again. God has changed the hearts of the dog brothers, continued Zagloba, so that instead of ravaging the Russian borders, they come to aid us. This is a clear miracle. For I tell you that if for every pagan whom this old hand has sent to hell, one of my sins had been forgiven, I should be canonized now, and people would have to fast on the eve of my festival, or I should have been swept up living to heaven in a chariot of fire. And do you remember, asked Volodyovsky, how it was with them when they were returning from the Valadinka from Rashkov to Zabraj? Of course I do, Pan Michael, but somehow you fell into a hole, and I chased through the thick wood to the high road, and when we came back to find you, the knights could not restrain their astonishment, for at each bush lay a dead beast of a tartar. Pan Volodyovsky remembered that at the time in question it was just the opposite, but he said nothing, for he was wonderfully astonished, and before he could recover breath, voices were shouting for the tenth time, They are coming! They are coming! The shout became general, then there was silence, and all heads were turned in the direction from which the chamble was to come. Now piercing music was heard in the distance, the crowds began to open from the middle of the street towards the walls of the houses, and from the end appeared the first Tartar horsemen. See, they have a band, even. That is uncommon with Tartars. They wish to make the best impression, said Panyan, but still some chambles, after they have lived long in camp, have their own musicians. That must be a choice body. Meanwhile, the horsemen had come up and begun to ride past. 
In front, on a pied horse, sat a tartar holding two pipes in his mouth, and as tawny as if he had been dried and smoked. Bending his head backward and closing his eyes, he ran his fingers over the pipes, obtaining from them notes squeaking, sharp, and so quick that the ear could barely catch them. After him rode two others holding staffs furnished at the ends with brass rattles, and they were shaking these rattles as if in a frenzy. Farther back, some were making shrill sounds with brass plates, some were beating drums, while others were playing in Cossack fashion on turbans. And all, with the exception of the pipers, were singing, or rather howling, from moment to moment, a wild song, at the same time showing their teeth and rolling their eyes. After that chaotic music, which went like a brawl past the dwellers in Lvov, clattered horses four abreast, the whole party was made up of about four hundred men. This was in fact a chosen body, as a specimen, and to do honor to the king of Poland for his own use, and as an earnest sent by the Khan. They were led by Akba Ulan of Dobrudsha, therefore of the sturdiest Tartars in battle, an old and experienced warrior, greatly respected in the Ulysses, Tartar villages, because of his bravery and severity. He rode between the music and the rest of the party, dressed in a shuba of rose-colored velvet, but greatly faded, and too narrow for his powerful person. It was lined with tattered marten skin. He held in front of him a baton, like those used by Cossack colonels. His red face had become blue from the cold wind, and he swayed somewhat on his lofty saddle. From one moment to another he looked from side to side, or turned his face around to his tartars, as if not perfectly sure that they could restrain themselves at the sight of the crowds, the women, the children, the open shops, the rich goods, and that they would not rush with a shout at those wonders. But they rode on quietly, like dogs led by chains and fearing the lash, and only from their gloomy and greedy glances might it be inferred what was passing in the souls of those barbarians. The crowds gazed on them with curiosity, though almost with hostility, so great in those parts of the commonwealth was hatred of the pagan. From time to time cries were heard, Ahu! Ahu! as if at wolves. Still, there were some who expected much from them. The Swedes have a terrible fear of the Tartars, and the soldiers tell wonders of them, from which their fear increases, said some, looking at the Tartars. And justly, answered others, it is not for the cavalry of Karl to war with the Tartars, who, especially those of the Dobruja, are equal sometimes to our cavalry. Before a Swedish horseman can look around, the Tartar will have him on a lariat. It is a sin to call sons of pagans to aid us, said some voice. Sin or no sin, they will serve us. A very decent chamble, said Zagloba. Really, the Tartars were well-dressed in white, black, and party-colored sheepskin coats. The wool on the outside, black bows and quivers full of arrows were shaking on their shoulders. Each had besides a saber, which was not always the case in large chambles, for the poorest were not able to obtain such a luxury, using in hand-to-hand -hand conflict a horse skull fastened to a club. But these were men, as was said, to be exhibited. Therefore, some of them even had muskets in felt cases, and all were sitting on good horses, small it is true, rather lean and short, with long forelocks on their faces, but of incomparable swiftness. In the center of the party went also four camels. The crowd concluded that in their packs were presents from the Khan to the king, 
but in that they were mistaken, for the Khan chose to take gifts, not give them. He promised, it is true, reinforcements, but not for nothing. When they had passed, Zagloba said, that aid will cost dear. Though allies, they will ruin the country. After the Swedes and them, there will not be one sound roof in the Commonwealth. It is sure that they are terribly grievous allies, said Pan Jan. I have heard on the road, said Pan Michael, that the king has made a treaty, that every five hundred of the horde is to be given one of our officers, who is to have command and the right of punishment. Otherwise these friends would leave only heaven and earth behind them. But this is a small chamble. What will the king do with it? The Khan sent them to be placed at the disposal of the king almost as a gift, and though he will make account of them, still the king can do what he likes with them, and undoubtedly he will send them with us to Charnetsky. Well, Charnetsky will be able to keep them in bounds. Not unless he's among them, otherwise they will plunder. It cannot be, but they will give them an officer at once. And will he lead them? But what will that big Aga do? If he does not meet a fool, he will carry out orders. Farewell, gentlemen, cried Kamita on a sudden. Whither in such haste? To fall at the king's feet and ask him to give me command of these people. End of chapter 18